Hello and welcome to Message Received. I'm your host for this episode, Tim Ferguson. I'm the CEO of Audience. And you're in for a real treat if you're interested in hybrid meetings, whether you're an event professional, whether you're working in a a big company and you've been asked to uh, put on a hybrid event, you're wondering what that might be like, or if you're interested in culture change in your company, or if you're responsible for internal communication or employee engagement, there's something here in this conversation for you. And we're bringing back uh, a group of people that we we are we've been called the dream team by some of our clients. So you'll you'll be hearing the voices of three individuals: Dean Davies from Paracel, Jurgen Kunkel from Vantage, and our very own Daisy Sharp from Audience. And in this conversation, you're going to hear about hybrid events from the logistics, audiovisual, and content points of view, respectively. And I'm, I'm sure what you'll take away is that hybrid is definitely here to stay, is absolutely something incredibly interesting and great opportunity. Also a lot of challenges around it, but when you hear three event professionals talk about the possibilities they, they, they see, I think you'll leave excited wanting to do a hybrid event sometime in your near future. So enjoy this episode, let's take it away. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of weeks now for, for two reasons. One, I'm with some old friends who is known, actually we're collectively known as the dream team. And uh, I'll introduce you or let them introduce themselves in just a moment. We've done many, many live events together over at least a decade, probably more. And I know that as a listener, that's maybe not so interesting to you, but I just want to set the context so that Jurgen, Dean, Daisy, and myself uh, are our old friends and colleagues. But what we're here to to do for you today is really, I think, demystify hybrid and then give you some very sound advice on how to approach it should you wish to. And we'll be speaking from three points of view. I think of this as the holy trinity of corporate events. You need fantastic logistics, fantastic audiovisual, and fantastic content. And we represent those three realms. We might argue over who's comes first in a great event. Is it, it what's the, what provides the foundation? I think the right way to think of it, it's like a molecule that you need these three components and that you need them working together harmoniously. And whether that's in live or virtual uh, or hybrid, these these three are the essential elements, and we represent them uh, here today. So let's start with logistics. Representing logistics, Dean Davies. Dean, can you say hello and tell us a little bit about Paracel? Yeah. So in the red corner. <laughs> so yeah. No, I'm I'm Dean Davies. Um, I work for Paracel Meeting Services. Um, we're a uh, part. I'm part of a clinical research organisation. So we are a large clinical research organisation, and within that we have the meeting services department. Um, we have an office in uh, sunny Worthing on the south coast uh, in the UK, and we also have an office in New Jersey uh, in Hackensack. And we've been specialising in pharmaceutical events for over uh, about 35 years now. Um, and I myself, I'm based in the sunny Shoreham by Sea, which is very near Worthing, which is handy. 
uh, for when we do go back to the office. Um, and I live at home with my uh, wife and two young daughters. So 35 years. So, Dean, you, you've been working th those entire 35 years? No, I haven't. I'm not that old. Thanks, Tim. But um, <laughs> I've been working um, 17 years at Paraxel uh, and 20 years in the industry. Um, so before that, I worked at another pharma specializing um, event company um, and also for a secretariat. Next up, uh, audiovisual and Jurgen Kunkel from Vantage. Can you say hello and tell us what does Vantage do? Hello, in the blue corner then in this case. Um, so my name is, uh, yeah, you said it already, Jürgen. I'm the founder and director of Vantage Global Event Production. And as our name says, we are uh, specialized on uh, event production across the globe. So we help our clients with uh, global events uh, to do light, sound, video, everything, which is really technical. And that's what we do for the last uh, 13 years here from Switzerland. And I'm doing this for the last 25 years, actually. Uh, in different locations, yeah. And you've done how many live events in the last 18 months? In the last 18 months, uh, we did around 500 virtual engagement of different sizes and kinds. So that is uh, definitely much more than we usually do, <laughs> which we did before, yeah. Right, so and, and how many, so 500 virtual in the last 18 months, how many live, any in the last, in the last year and a half? Um, if you say live, that we have uh, an audience uh, that sits on a chair in front of a stage, I think we didn't had, we had maybe one with uh, 25 people indeed, yes. But other than that, we didn't have any in-person events. So if three or four years ago I said, hey, Vantage can do a year and a half of work, be very busy, work like working crazy hours, but no live events, what would you have said to me? Um, I would ask you, how is that possible? <laughs> What's the plan? So no, we, we were not, I mean, this was just not like in sight, uh, such a situation, you know, I mean, uh, you know, this yourself as a company owner, of course, you have some risk scenarios, uh, but it doesn't, uh, it never included a pandemic uh, where live communication in that sense is not happening anymore. That was completely new, for sure. Yeah. It's been an incredible experience. And then representing audience, Daisy Sharp. Daisy, can you tell us about yourself and what do you think about from a content point of view, uh, what do people need to know about audience? Well, I'm going to take the green corner, if that's all right, in, in opposition to Dean. So yeah, I'm Daisy Sharp, account director with audience. Um, so hopefully everybody knows audience, but yeah, we're a strategic and creative communications agency. So we really specialize in internal communications, meetings and events, employee engagement and sort of training and coaching. Um, but I guess, yeah, today my main focus is is really exploring, yeah, the, the content and the, the design of hybrid meetings. And for you, when when you entered into the, the COVID world, how did you see it all shaping up? Like, did you see where we were going to end up 18 months later mm. or has it been a a journey through the fog. How would you describe the the virtual experience so far? You always ask the the tough questions. Um, I would say it's definitely been a roller coaster. Um, I think we've gone from um, very quickly pivoting to sort of virtual, and now I think perhaps having the opportunity to to look slightly longer term, look more ahead of us, rather than be so sort of reactive to uh, to the situation that we were all experiencing. Um, so I would say uh, a real roller coaster. Yes, indeed. And I think that that idea of being uh, reactive versus proactive, I think for our listeners, 
I would love to have them feel more in the driver's seat, maybe still on a roller coaster, but at least driving that roller coaster, if that makes any sense at all, so that they can go through the hybrid experience, uh, not feeling like they're just reacting to what's happening in the marketplace, but they're truly in control of it the way they would be with a virtual or a live event from the past. So let's let's begin at the very beginning, and I think it's with definitions. So what is a hybrid meeting? It's the, the term, if I look online, and Dean, by the way, I'll say this several times probably throughout the discussion, your article that you've published on LinkedIn, which we'll put in the show notes uh, uh, to connect people to that, it's just so, it's a superb piece. I think it's it's brilliantly crafted, and it really lays out the relationship between virtual, live, and then what is the combination of those two things to make hybrid? And I, I would like to explore that because some of the things being called hybrid events online, I would say, look to me like a virtual event, just with a really great television studio to film the to film the presenters, but it's actually everyone's connected by, by their laptop. But let's start with you, Dean. How would you define hybrid meeting? Let's start. For so simply, I think you know, from a simple point of view, we all know it, it's a mix of in-person and virtual attendees. Um, so you know, both are going to come together at specific times, and they're going to kind of participate in those shared experiences and that content. You know, but of course, from different locations and different time zones. Um, I think the virtual attendees' kind of agenda and meeting content will look different to that of the in-person attendee. You know, that's crucial, and I think. The end goal, you know, should be to create two different experiences, um, but you know, but with one harmonised event. And I think around around that, there's a lot of discussions to what I'm just saying there. But I think put in simple terms as a starting block, that's kind of my definition. Um, but I think we'll pick it apart as we go as we go along. Yes, I think that everything to do with event planning is in the details. Hey, we're going to do a great event uh, in three months. It's going to be in Barcelona. Fantastic. Let's get down to work. And once it's once you get into the details that that event starts to take take shape. And it sounds like uh, with hybrid, it may be no different. How about from you, you're again, your, your point of view, you're getting you did 500 virtual events last year. You did one live event for 25 people. How many hybrid events do you think you've done so far? And what how would you define it the difference between what you've done the last 18 months and what you're hoping to do in the next six months when you say hybrid i think the easiest definition is that uh, a live event has a segment of online representation uh, and that's kind of, of of course have very different forms uh, from an audience perspective it means i mean also what uh, dean has perfectly explained also in his uh, uh, blog uh, is that you have a, an online audience and an in-person audience uh, together in one and the same engagement. Um, from a technical point of view, I would go one step further. For me, a hybrid event starts then when I have a, a stage. Uh, I don't need an in-person audience, but let's say when I have a TV studio production, I have the speakers in the studio and I'm streaming this to uh, to a remote audience, a virtual audience. Uh, this is for me a hybrid event already because the technology I need there is usually the same, in brackets I must say the same, than if I have uh, two audiences in person and virtual audiences. So for me, hybrid event starts there. And to your question, how many we did of those? Um, I would say around 50, five zero events in the past uh, uh, 15 months, which, uh, which went this direction indeed. 
So that's really interesting to me. You're saying it could be called hybrid, even though there's no on-premises attendees. I do not need to have an audience in the in the seats. I just need a live event level of production or audiovisual requirement that for you from a technical point of view defines it as hybrid. Is that right? That's correct. It doesn't sound cheap. I think people who are thinking that maybe hybrid is somehow, I don't know, uh, it sounds like that's a live event. That's a virtual, a virtual requirement plus a, plus a live studio requirement. So our, our budgets for hybrid the same as virtual or or virtual plus? I think a hybrid event is usually more expensive than doing a pure virtual event. Uh, our recording here today is basically a virtual meeting, right? We can do this also with 100, 200, 300 people, which is just from a technology point of view, uh, not really expensive. As soon, of course, I uh, need to get a studio involved, a professional camera equipment, uh, and having with this also a better output to my audience, uh, indeed, then of course the costs go up. And uh, also in this hybrid world, there is a huge bandwidth, right? I mean, I could have like a, uh, a holiday camera, you know, and streaming this uh, onto a platform, or I can have a very professional TV team. So the bandwidth uh, of cost is is very 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 large indeed, and with this also problems coming up because how does uh, the client know how much do I need to invest to get an outcome that I am happy with? That's a huge challenge uh, right now in the market. Yes, and my and my sense is we're we're all kind of making this up as we go along, and so it's not easy to say, yeah, we've done five thousand of these in the past, like we can with live events. I mean, between us, what, we've done 100 plus years of live events. None of us can say that about hybrid. And therefore, it's not so easy to answer the question, what is it or how much will it cost? Daisy, from a content point of view, what is significant? What, like our audience has learning needs, motivation mm -hmm. needs. Does it, is this relevant at all from a content point of view, hybrid? Yeah, I would say absolutely. And I think Dean sort of right at the start of this, it, the actual, I guess, sort of very simple definition of hybrid is very simple. It's a virtual element, it's a physical element, but where the complexity I think comes in for me is the the shared piece. So it's a, it's a shared experience, it's a live shared experience, and it's, it's that synchronous piece. Um, so it's really, how can you bring those different experiences together um, and I think, yeah, that's really where the complexity comes in to me. And do you think that there would be, from a content point of view, if we were advising a client to say virtual live or hybrid, what questions around content would be relevant to making that decision? Mm, um, I think it, it, one thing that always comes back to me when I'm thinking about hybrid is a very, very simple question is what can we do together that we can only do together? Um, you know, what elements really need to be a shared experience or people in person uh, versus what can you very, very easily do virtually? I it might be just watching information one way, sharing. Um, but as soon as you bring in the need for interactivity, for collaboration, um, for co-creation, that's when you really rely on people being able to really interact. Okay. So I think we've defined it very well and given a sense of 
of why it's important, why we want to be able to do hybrid events. I'd like to put the black hat on a little bit and just play devil's advocate to say, I, I find it interesting that the hype around hybrid events seems to be coming from the event industry. And it's like, oh, okay, so we're haven't done live events in 18 months. We're desperate to get back to work as we should be. And hybrid is like, oh, okay, the first um, the first opportunity to get people back into live venues and get back to doing what we've we've been doing for our whole careers. And are we are we hyping it up? Are we making this sound like a better, more more important solution than it really is out of the the motive of really just wanting, we're not so interested in the hybrid part, we're interested in the live part. And because I can't do a giant global live event right now, the next best thing is hybrid. And that's why you're seeing so much uh, publicity around it. Would, would anyone care to jump in on, on that question? What we see on the, first of all, the, the view from the event industry. I mean, these guys are super, desperate. I mean, there's 15 months uh, without income for many and also in a lot of countries with not great governmental support. So uh, that they blowing the horn now to go hybrid uh, is totally understandable. Uh, they had enough time to prepare their campaigns. And uh, I'm my assumption of the near future is there is not day zero where we start to invite three four five hundred people back in right it is like we can have 50 together uh, or we have just half of them there will be different different concepts how we split it and i think there's a huge motivation from the event industry hey even you can just have 50 people in the room let's do it and let's have the others online let's do it hybrid i think this is where the event industry is really coming from and I mean, the other hype coming from the industry, I'm happy to hear also what you think, but my gut feeling is, I think we have seen that it works technically to be online connected. Uh, we, we Apparently we save a lot of money with traveling and everything. And what I think also has to be taken in consideration, I think you realize also how much more productivity you have in your management team when they are not traveling, right? I mean, it's how much time you spend in, jet lagging in a plane, et cetera, and this is all not. So, so it makes it really, it seems to be very efficient to do a hybrid event. So there I think the hype of the uh, of the engagement owners of the uh, event organizers is coming as well. Hmm. I agree with Jürgen on a lot of his points there. And I, I also think to your point, Tim, talking about you know hybrid, the hype, I do, I do think there is an element of hype here. Um, but I do think it's going to be important though in the coming months because I think with with the pandemic that we're all sitting in still, you know, everyone's changing at different times in terms of the vaccine rollout. We know there's a shortage of vaccinations internationally. You know, we're talking about international events here, aren't we? In the in the events industry, we're not just talking at our in our own regions. So I think with these travel restrictions and this kind of continued uncertainty, you know, you know, will there be other sort of variants, etc.? I think it's kind of key that we do consider hybrid because. I think there's so many teams. It's not just about meetings necessarily. It's also about teams of people, teams, you know, let's face it, us as, as a team, audience as a team, advantage as a team, we want to get together as well. So I think 
we might start to see over this period, maybe we're focusing on those internal meetings, on bringing people together, bringing that community together again, getting those discussions going face to face. You can't replace that face to face discussion virtually. It's not exactly the same. It's lovely speaking to you here and meeting up here again. It's not quite the same, is it, as talking at the back of a plenary room or in a bar. Um, so I think from that point of view, it is, it is really important. But I think at the same time, though, going back to the point about outcomes, it's really important that we look at the outcomes of why we're doing the meeting in the first place though. You know, you've got to think, is, is, the, is it one set of outcomes that's going to work for both of the audiences? You know, or is it two separate outcomes? And I think people maybe shouldn't be scared to say, do the two need to come together, like Daisy said, as shared and blended? Or can there be two, of, could, it be, could it be a separate virtual event and a separate in-person event? Do they have to, you know, maybe never meet the twain? You know, maybe that's a consideration as well. And perhaps if I could just build on that. So I think, coming back to the piece around the the hype, I think the hype that we've seen is mostly related to, uh, I guess, the, the complex definition of hybrid that we gave. So it's that need for a shared experience to happen live all at the same time, which is complex. How are you gonna design two different experiences to somehow come together? Um, so I think that's perhaps where the, yeah, that more hype or sort of potentially even fear um, has come from. Uh, but I, I would also hope that there's a more sort of, I, I guess, sort of positive or human purpose behind the, the push to go hybrid, thinking about, and obviously COVID has sort of accelerated this, but a, a greater sort of awareness of our global environment. Um, you know, to Jürgen's point, people realizing that they don't need to travel halfway across the world um, to have a lot of valuable meetings. Um, and for me, a big thing as well is, is around this um, I guess a sort of greater opportunity for choice for both the organizer and the participant about how they want to attend meetings. I have seen uh, there's not the first hype of hybrid events. I think the the first hype that I have experienced was 2009, 2010 when the technology was there, mm -hmm. uh, uh, where uh, also this sustainability thing came up first time in the industry, and we saw there there was a lot of inquiries at the time. It flattened down again after a while, and I think what we have not regarded enough is how the audience on the online side feels. And I think we have now collected so much experience because we are on the same boat and we have experienced so many events. So I think the hybrid concept of the future in terms of agenda design and everything you guys from audience do must be a completely different thing. And to both of your points, Daisy and Dean, I think the truth, maybe my feeling is to be successful with hybrid so that it also maybe stays is you cannot try and force to have everything together. And I think also the other way around, if you say we don't need this together, then it's not hybrid anymore. But maybe it's somewhere in between that you create, I don't know, there is this keynote we have all together, but then there is a program designed just for the online community. And they have some benefits. They can do things online that they couldn't do in in-person, right? I mean, changing quickly groups or something in breakouts in person takes you half an hour to do so, right? And you lose half of the people on the coffee machine. Um, and then there's, of course, obviously this shared emotion experience, which you can drive much more in an in-person event or this marketplace concepts, etc., cetera, uh, which not work so well online. So you should allow eventually that these people have a different experience, but go home with the same key messages and objectives that the event organizer has set up with. So I see there, but this is like, uh, 
that was one thing I mentioned to you, Tim, in one of the comments on LinkedIn, where I say, there you need really a paradigm shift, I mean, in the mindset of event organizers to allow that, because by nature, I think you say like, oh yeah, we, we do it together or not, right? I don't know, how, how do you think about this? I, my, I mean, myself, I'm, I think about experiences and I, I feel that to have a shared experience, you don't need to be in the same time and space necessarily. So I think of uh, concert tours would be a good example. So let's say I'm living in uh, Switzerland. So let's say Brings, Bruce Springsteen goes on tour and I go to see him. I have my choice. I can go to see him live in Zurich or I can go onto my laptop and watch him live streamed from London. Which of those two experiences would I prefer? So let's say I go to see him in Zurich and it's called his whatever final farewell tour. I actually do feel somehow the buzz of the fact that he is traveling around the world. And when I buy the concert t-shirt and it says, you know, London, Paris, uh, Milan, Zurich, and I see my, and I, I know, and he comes out on the stage, hello, Zurich, and I freak out. Like part of the reason I'm loving all that is I know I'm part of this global experience that is asynchronous or it's um, a sequential rather. And so I do think if you think if you if you look at it the right way, you can create a sense of I was there, even though we weren't all literally there in, in the exact same time and place. Uh, so I don't know if I'm, I'm addressing your, your question, but I, I, I want to just keep on where you guys are taking this, which is to, towards some of the uh, perceived benefits and the the kind of once you get inventive about it and start getting imaginative about it things that maybe we haven't done yet but we we can really see where the, where this could go and and Dino I'll come, I'll come back to you to start start us off on this yeah i think first of all as an event planner i've got to put in here we're thinking about what, what i'm thinking about while you're talking is as an event planner we, with logistics we're obsessed with templates we're except we're we're obsessed with recipes and you know and it just kind of a, a rules about how things work and we know in this in this in this playground it's not it's not going to be the same um, so, but I think with that, and Daisy touched on it, it's an opportunity to be creative because there is no hard and fast rule. We don't know, you know, how you're going to bring those people together. Actually, let's not see it as an obstacle, but let's see it as an opportunity to be creative and evolve in what we, and, and how we see events, which then touches on your point, Tim. I think about one thing I think about going on to advantages of it is that community, you know, having that community, having the opportunity to bring people together before and afterwards you know, in an asynchronous and then like you say, obviously during sequential at the kind of blended, you know, specific times. So I think that's quite exciting. And I think the challenge, of course, is then looking at how we do that. Um, and I think that will evolve a little bit. I think there'll be a lot of learnings. I think, for example, we know that networking is a huge challenge for hybrid. You know, for me personally, having those kind of spontaneous discussions that that, that then go onward to, to, to then, you know, kind of fruition into something else that that's taken away a little bit. But there's ways around that, right, with virtual. You can, you know, look at, you know, there's AI technology where you can, uh, registration, we can put in certain information about what we're interested in. You know, so we need to be, to be a bit clever in the questions that we're asking at registration to gain that data, to then bring the two audiences together maybe during the event. Um, so I think there's kind of lots of opportunities and, and the obvious opportunity, you're going to go to a much broader audience, a much larger audience. Your ROI is going to be fantastic. 
behavioral data i mean we could have a whole separate podcast on behavioral data right the huge huge kind of discussions at the moment but to get that and to be able to use that data and then refine what we're doing as well because we're going to get in we're going to find out what's going on and also we can even see can't we on the virtual you know where the engagement's high where the engagement's low what's working what's resonating with attendees we couldn't do that with in person we gave them that form at the end, right? That we sort of used to print off over the years. You, we've all worked together for 10 years. Let's face it, some meetings, we were still printing off the forms and handing them to people. They weren't filled out, but now we can actually get real live data. And that should be exciting, I think. Daisy, what do you think? When you let your imagination run on this, where, where does it go? Yeah, I think um, what really excites me is yeah, exactly what Dean said, and it perhaps is a, a logistical nightmare, but it's the opportunity to really, yeah, turn it into an entire sort of experience journey and even more so hone into individual wants, individual needs um, and design for those individual experiences. But I think for me, where the art and challenges is how do we to your point earlier Tim I think how do we then bring all those individual experiences and bringing them, them into a shared experience so you get similar outcomes um, but yeah there are so many things you can do and I actually attended a, an experience summit um, last week and for me that was very interesting um, there was almost to me a, a real advantage of being by myself you know at home attending it virtually they were getting you to do like physical exercises and test out your different sort of senses um but i didn't feel uh, embarrassed i was able to like dance in my room do different exercises which uh, which if i was in a room of other people there would be no way that you would get me doing that um so i think there are real yeah exciting opportunities that we can really play upon so lots of lots of benefits that we're seeing here. Um, the one the one you said earlier, Dean, you mentioned seeing each other at the back of the plenary room or at the bar, which I guess in our our ten year relationship, that's probably two thirds of the time where we would normally see each other. And I've been talking to a lot of clients about what do you miss about live events, and everyone has their own version of that. So some say uh, it's it's meeting a random person on the transfer from the Congress Center to the hotel at, in the back the back of the bus kind of thing and having the short conversation or running into someone in the coffee line you know everyone has their own version of that how do we how do we make that happen in hybrid like is that something that the virtual audience is just left out of and that's the bonus of being at the physical face-to-face -face site or have, have you had experiences with creating these sort of um, spontaneous yet inevitable running into each other on in the in the virtual space? What's your experience with that been, Jurgen? I I think that's exactly. I mean, there's one thing we will never have in a virtual environment as we have it live. This is this shared emotional experience. There's this energy of an applause, uh, the energy of people talking with each other before they go back into the plenary. There is kind of a, I would call it the tribe factor. You know, that's something very deep inside us from the past. Uh, and, and you don't have this when I'm looking in front of a screen, no matter how many people I see here, that's for sure. And um, one thing um, that is also very difficult to build in, in the virtual environment is this 
coincidences that you have, the, the things you exp explained, right? Uh, but by chance, you sit in the very back from the dinner venue next to somebody who knows somebody, or you go for the coffee to the exhibition booth and uh, yeah, you get introduced to someone. This kind of, which is like the pu purest networking experience, uh, you can artificially build this in the rich environment, but this means it's not so coincidental anymore. You say, here's half an hour, let's go here, let's meet randomly people, but it is not the same thing. Plus the willingness, I mean, if I'm beamed to Barcelona, I, I commit to what happens there. I commit to be ready for, 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 for the networking as well, right? But if I'm at home, not everybody has the same willingness because, oh, it's networking time, my chance, to get the coffee, to make my emails, or to be away. And some people are there for it, you know, so, but it, it's it's breaking into different pieces when you try this to do virtual. So I see there are huge challenges. Even technology brings us there, but well, you know, that that remains that remains an in-person experience, in my opinion, and we'll go back there for sure. I I completely agree. Um, I think. I think all we can really do in a virtual world is, is I guess it's kind of, you talked on that coincidence, that serendipity. I think it's almost like a structured coincidence. It's almost like you've got to create a coincidence, which kind of takes away the whole, the whole fun of it, right? And the, the whole, but I think that's the only way to do it. So I think, you know, it's almost like creating, for example, if you're going to have a, a session. So, you know, if the corporate team, they have a session and it's got, it's broken down into its agenda points and you've got your, your key speakers, your superstars, and then it's almost like then creating another workshop afterwards that breaks that agenda down so that people have got an opportunity then to go and talk about those to continue the discussions about those certain areas so you could like you know break that agenda down into six create six workshops who wants to continue the discussion on this point who's got more ideas on this and then that way you can bring people together from different countries or different offices depending on the industry and kind of continue those discussions so although it's not that kind of serendipity in its true form it's a way of trying to encourage those continued conversations and that kind of continued learning, maybe. I think it's a very powerful image you, you put into my mind of it's um, it's almost like a funnel in in live. You know, you have your opening plenary presentation. Everyone's all listening to the four or five presenters. It ends. There's applause. The speakers come down to the to the front row to take off their microphones and maybe 30 people rush them and are around them asking them, you know, waiting for their question or talking in small groups. And then those small groups start to trickle away and one or two very eager people are, are staying there to speak to the presenter. And then maybe it's down to finally just two. And I've seen many times like a CEO or a senior vice president having a long ongoing discussion with a participant and you watch them leave the ballroom together and it's so you've gone from like 300 to 30 to five to one on one. And that that is just such a mind bogglingly uh, challenging thing to, to replicate virtually. And, and Daisy, maybe I'll turn that one to you, because that's such an important part of a corporate event specifically people. It's not just networking like. Um, with a, a open curiosity of who I might meet. Sometimes it's very precision networking. People come to uh, the events that you and I put on uh, from a content point of view, and they may be there. To, they know there's five people that they want to meet, and they're seeking them out over a couple of days and looking for their opportunity to, to kind of pounce on, on, the, on the person. 
how, how does hybrid fit in on that level? Again, very good question. Um, and I think for me, it, it comes back to designing for those different opportunities. So you might have some people that are super confident, they want to and are open to talking to anyone. They're going to go into that bar area or that networking room um, and send their business card out, chat to anyone. Um, there are going to then be other people that hate having their camera on. They don't want to go to networking at all. They're the people that Jürgen was mentioning. They use the networking brace to go and grab a coffee and then hide in the corner. Uh, then you might have someone in the sort of middle ground that has um, specific sort of targeted networking or targeted conversations they want to have. Um, so I think, yeah, I guess what I was talking to you earlier about hybrid perhaps giving us more choice in a way, perhaps you're taking away some of that choice by designing for those different um, types of networking or types of interactions to happen um, and requesting that the people perhaps in the physical space might then connect with people in the virtual space. Um, but it's all about, uh, yeah, designing those different opportunities. I like what Daisy said. Uh, she used the word opportunities much more often than the word challenges. And I think this is also <laughs> something we have to see uh, talking about the challenges of hybrid. Of course, it's, it, it, it's kind of new approach that we're talking about, but there's a whole lot of opportunities with hybrid as well. Uh, that we hadn't had before. Uh, we just supported, and uh, Daisy, you were also involved, uh, the TEDx uh, event here in Basel. And um, what we had in the in-person event, or what we didn't had, is the opportunity that the audience can meet with the speakers afterwards. This requires time, this requires extra rooms, etc. And here in this virtual environment, you just create five breakout rooms. In each, you have the speaker, and 20, 30, 50 people can just jump in there and you know get in touch with the speaker also access to the most wanted to vip people who would not maybe join your event because they have a busy agenda they might join because we just need 15 minutes of their time not the full day so i think there's a whole lot of opportunities also in connections and networking which is more directed uh, taking this coincidence in brackets and uh, yeah opportunity exclamation mark Dean, there is a great section in your article on exactly this topic, and you painted the picture of it's almost the, the virtual attendee to the live experience could almost have like a VIP backstage pass. Can you can you talk about some of the thoughts you put into the article, building on what Jurgen has just said? Yeah, I think it's about kind of making sure that the virtual. I think I think it's important. You've got to keep the two audiences happy, right? That's the important thing. Going back to, I think Daisy touched on, and you've got to make sure it's personalised, which which Daisy touched on. And key, I think, they got to feel special. So both audiences have got to feel special. So I think it goes back to we can learn a lot from TV production, right? So it's kind of like making sure that that when that online audience, you know, they they they're looking at their live stream, they're doing their simu live, they're doing their on demand, they're doing their community networking piece. But there's a piece in between as well, isn't there, where there's great opportunities and that's where, you know, they can see like, um, you know, special interviews with the top chair and the speakers that's kind of just live for them. You know, it's just for those virtual attendees and they can see that piece. So I think it's like looking at looking at the overall program, looking at where the gaps are, taking into account we know the virtual people can really only do two, two and a half, three hours. 
and then looking at where there's other opportunities in all the other piece that the in-person people do and they're all networking making full advantage of that especially in these first next year or so that's going to be the key it's going to be the focus on the networking so the virtual guys they can see it they can have a lot of special uh, content actually aimed at them um, to make them feel special and daisy when you when you think about the corporate world where access let's say to senior executives is such a a critical element of a of a live event will there how will we make sure that equity is in place where it's not like hey there's a huge advantage to being live and i'll be left out if I, if i'm virtual have have you put thought to that asking all the tough questions um I would say it's really challenging um, because if you're bringing in equity and perhaps advantage for the virtual attendees, are you taking away some of the advantage for the in-person attendees in order for them to have that time with the virtual attendees, i.e. ex-speaker that's just presented live, asking him to then take the next 20 minutes out of his time to then connect yeah, on a on a virtual networking app or or platform. Um, so I think it's a very hard piece to do. And I think I, I would try and come back to do we need to ensure equity or can we more think about the different needs or different experiences we're we're trying to provide? And you know, to Dean's point, how can we make virtual feel special? How can we make physical feel special? And I'm just wondering if if this is uh a consideration for at least specifically for corporate hybrid where being the one that was at the dinner when you know the CEO uh, gave an impromptu speech or when just some some special act activity or moment uh, that only the live people got to be there and how how do we compensate for some of that from a technological point of view Jurgen what are your thoughts there? Like, can we get roving webcams? What are the, the GoPros? Like, will we have people with Go, GoPro cameras on their heads uh, going through the venue, going through the networking break to, to give those online a, a, a chance to be part of these experiences? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's the question, in which direction are we looking now from uh, having more experience of the in-person in the online world or vice versa? And there's there are technologies in place. How good this is working? One thing, for example, when, we, when we're talking about uh, having all together and you're thinking we have 300 people maybe in person and 300 online, this feeling of having a Know, like let's say also uh, workshops together feels for me so weird because I'm going on site because I want to interact with people and then you would ask me theoretically to to get in contact with somebody online so I'm back on my phone being virtual even though I'm in person so that makes it really difficult right to your point of uh, this different experiences your the, that whiskey night is that was a coincidence I think everyone would say ah damn it, but nobody would blame the organizer. But if you come on site and you realize, okay, your favorite star is somewhere where you cannot be, that is of course frustrating. I think the, for me, uh, like a nice word would be, 
if you get invited to an event which has a remote and online possibility, that the entire program is already designed and layout. And me as a customer or audience member, participant, can then choose, oh, I like online more. It's more my agenda. It's more what I want. I'm not so into traveling and meeting people. And others say, oh my God, I need to go online. So having this choice, but this would mean <laughs> that all our planning for this event needs to be finalized so much more earlier than it usually is, you know? I mean, we sometimes plan when we are still already on site. So that is a big challenge, of course, to, to make such an option available in time. And then, uh, Dean, for you, that must be like a trouble as well. Do I need a venue for 20, 200, 800? Exactly. Where, where are we going to go, right? So <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, we don't know, do we yet? Uh, who, who's going to choose to do what? And, and I think it's like it's almost like we're as 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 corporate and event planners, I guess we're expected to almost uh, it's almost like, right. So if, in, if you come in person, you're going to experience X, Y and Z. If you come virtually, you're going to experience X, Y and Z. And it's like then someone having to decide, well, do I need that X and Y or do I need that one? What's more important? And then I make a decision. But it's not going to be that simple, is it? And I think it also comes down to maybe the type of event as well, because if it maybe if it is really strictly educational type of event where there's a protocol and people have to they have to really you know listen to the information, take it all in, have a tick box that they've done that training, and then go home, then maybe that is more suited for virtual. If it's a sales team that are all coming together and they want that camaraderie and they want to kind of really build that community that like we were talking about earlier, then regardless of the agenda you're going on site you've got to go in person to, to to have that haven't you and to have that buzz to have that energy that Jürgen talked about at the beginning so I think it's also really kind of it, it, what we can't do though is say of different attendee types if you take a given industry say well these attendee types actually you're more suited to go virtual and these attendees you're more you're more suited to go in person that's kind of creating a little bit of a divide, isn't it? That's that's causing a little bit of an issue and people aren't going to be happy with that. So I think that's a piece that needs to be looked at as well from a corporate perspective with the planners working together on what that looks like, um, but diplomatically. <laughs> right, and then you also layer that, I think, with the 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 governmental or actual sort of travel restrictions, et cetera, that, that come into play there. Um, Tim, I was just sort of thinking on, uh, on your question earlier with regards to, you know, for that, epic experience around the whiskey are we putting gopros in so people at home can try and be a part of that experience i think it's really going to be really important for us to not try and make virtual feel a part of physical not make physical feel a part of virtual to the extent that it then becomes a lesser experience for both parties involved um so it i guess it just sort of comes back to really challenging what are the advantages of bringing those two different sort of I guess, experience types together. Yes, and especially when there's this, um, like what you're, what you're saying, Dean, when there's a very hard outcome, like we're all trained, let's let's say, to a, a certain level. So imagine we run an event that's, that's a hybrid event that is about learning about a new strategic plan and being able to implement it, let's say. And then six months later, I attended virtually, and I'm in trouble because I'm clearly not on board with the strategic plan. I don't seem to understand it, or it, it's almost like I missed the memo. And then I'm going to say, well, you know what? The, my colleague who attended live fully gets the strategic plan, is doing great, is, is having great success. 
Am I going to start to say, well, you know what? That's because I was I was on that virtual. I did that virtually, not not live. Like, are we going to have these sort of absolutely um, unintended consequences, unimaginable consequences of of a feel of of inequity? I don't know. Yeah, the the only piece I I would add is um is coming back to right at the start of that sort of planning process, even more awareness of restrictions, even more awareness of um, individual sort of choices or needs or wants um, and trying to balance them as, you know, as much as possible um, before you even yeah get into the process. Yeah, that's true, Daisy. I think because I think because it is all opening up at different times, isn't it? Um, mm. And those restrictions and looking at that and how that evolves. And, you know, I think we also see a lot of regional meetings, won't we, as well in, in, in at this stage where, you know, where certain people can't travel. So it won't be a case of who can and who can't. It's physically some people can't travel um, versus like we talked about the attendee types. It will just be actually physically can't. Um, yeah, exactly. So have you made that choice or has that choice been taken away from you? Exactly. And I think that in the next six months, that'll just kind of be organic. But then it's looking mm. in, it's it's 2022, isn't it? Because what we're doing now is also defining what hybrid looks like over the next six months. They will then carry on into 22 and onwards. So it's important how we how we how we look at it now and how we combat that for the future of 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 events. Yeah. It's a perfect segue, Dean, into my last two two questions. So the, the is hybrid here to stay? I, I think you've opened that door, Dean. Can you can you give us your view? Start with you. Are, are we going to be doing this for the next uh, the rest of our lives? Is this the new normal? What do you think? I think to a certain point, it's here to stay. Um, I think in turn, I think in terms of what you can achieve with virtual being added on, because let's face it, let's take away the pandemic. There's also still going to be people that can't travel for given reasons. You know, if we take the pharmaceutical industry with with HCPs and doctors are very busy, they're in their surgeries. Uh, you know, if congresses are like four days long, you know, you've got these other meetings with long travel. I think from that point of view, I think that it would be crazy almost not to add on the virtual piece now that we've got the technology. Uh, the technology's there. It's much more robust. Let's face it, in the last in the last 15 months, we've probably advanced probably what we would have done in the next seven years with technology. I'm sure Jürgen would agree. So I think to not continue that and because of that ROI, because of that being able to look at the behavioural data, because of being able to continue that kind of those discussions, that community before and afterwards. So we're no longer looking at a single event because how many times have we been to one event? We've gone to that event. It's been great. Oh, yeah, it was fun. And then we move on. Whereas now I think we're looking at this more kind of asynchronous idea where it's not just an event, it's actually a it's, it's an ongoing communication and discussion of that, of what we're looking at. So I think I think it will continue and I think it's good that it will continue. But I do also see that the in-person will certainly increase and keep going up. I don't think in-person events have gone away. I think events are just going to get bigger and I think there's going to be com complexities with that, which are going to be, to Daisy's point, an opportunity, not a challenge. <laughs> I think when you said events, that we're, you could tell we're three event junkies, four event junkies. When you say uh, events are just going to get bigger, all four of us, big smile on our faces. Jürgen, is it here to stay, hybrid? Short answer, yes. I think that the next one and a half years will be very difficult 
it's like jumping off the cliff and building a plane. I mean, we have all the technology, but there are so many factors uh, where you say it depends. You know, uh, uh, Dean, you mentioned so many meeting formats, the travel policies, what travels are possible, what is the willingness of the individuals to go, what the company policy also in terms of how much time you should be on an in-person event or not. So many things. And um, I think we the dust will settle at the end of 2022. And I think then we can answer this question again, how it will stay. I also, and I think Dean, you mentioned it, think that this complexity, how we think now about a certain event and how we can make it engaging for all participants, I think this will flatten down. I think it's rather to see what is my communication plan for a certain engagement over a year. <clears throat> and such an event, and these are things that we also experienced in the 50 months going away from this two-day experience of looking into a path of six, eight weeks or even longer and say, here's a virtual path that we do together, all together. It's a must have. Then we have smaller things coming up, ramping up to a live engagement with in-person. But there we really focus on things that you especially can do there. Networking, marketplace, dinner, party, I don't know, incentives, whatever it is and what the meeting format needs. And I think uh, looking into the event format in the future, I think this is rather where um, the transition will happening if we look in this into a longer period of time. Almost like hybrid campaigns. Exactly, yeah, mm. I think. Yeah. Daisy, and what I, about you? Hybrid here to stay? Couldn't agree more. Um, I think that perhaps to me, the element of hybrid that won't be here to stay is the, I guess, not the forced shared experience, but the the live shared experience between virtual and physical. Um, whereas I think what is absolutely here to say is playing to the advantages of, of both. And, um, you know, if we look towards how do you actually create change, how do you create transformation, you do need a series of experiences to, to go through that change. Um, and I think that's where we can really play on, yeah, the advantages of hybrid, asynchronous communication, really mapping out a full journey um, to that. So for each of you now, uh, this podcast is called Message Received. So we would like to we would like to end each episode with a single message that you would want to leave the listener. So imagine someone who's considering their first hybrid meeting you're going to deliver a message to them about you know what what they should be thinking about there uh dean we'll start with you what what's the message you want our listeners to receive about hybrid meetings i think the message is don't be scared about them embrace them i think don't and don't get too hung up on the kind of the blended the shared experience just have a look at, have a look at the event step back look at the content concentrate on the content keep things simple i think let's not overcomplicate things you know and i'm sure you're going to say from a technology point let's not just because we've got the technology it doesn't mean to use it so maybe start simple don't go out there with the big guns thinking you've got to create this amazing you know top star hybrid event um start it simple see how it goes test things out and then move on and refine nice jürgen I can just say it in my, you know, German expression, but the same thing. Uh, the first thing that came in my mind when you asked the question was, don't be scared. I mean, uh, uh, there's a whole lot of unknown, uh, but uh, go for it. And um, 
keep it smart and simple would be my second advice. As, as you say, there's a whole lot of opportunities. I think we have seen 250 different platforms available on the market uh, with so many functionalities that their marketing tries to convince us that we need. Uh, but finally, what we need is like an excellent connection with each other, and this doesn't require too much complexity. And you can build on this. You can make it more complex than after a while. And last but not least, content is king. Whatever you plan, before you think about the technology, let's listen to a technology expert. First is the content, because this is what really matters, and the technology will follow whatever the plan is perfect transition to you, Daisy. I know, I was going to say you teed me up perfectly. Thank you, Jürgen. Um, I think, yeah, literally building on both those points, it would be to, to hyper-empathize with both the end audiences that you're designing this for, because ultimately they're the ones that you're trying to support or help or add value to. Um, hyper-empathize with the organizers, um, you know, and the additional effort that might go into that um, and be flexible. Fantastic. I, I wish we could talk for another 90 minutes. I, I would love to, but uh, all good things come to an end. And I guess this has been a virtual meeting about hybrid meetings, and I can't wait to the next time we're all together at a live meeting, showing my bias there. So Dean and Jurgen and Daisy, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Message Received. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good thank to see you. you. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you love this episode of Message Received, please follow and come back for the next episode using collaboration platforms effectively with Natalie Eifred, Catherine Bravoni, and Misha Schiemann.